June 27th, Acts chapter 18, verses 1 through 22. Then Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. There he became acquainted with a Jew named Aquila, born in Pontus, who had recently arrived from Italy with his wife Priscilla. They had been expelled from Italy as a result of Claudius Caesar's order to deport all Jews from Rome. Paul lived and worked with them, for they were tent makers just as he was. Each Sabbath found Paul at the synagogue, trying to convince the Jews and Greeks alike. And after Silas and Timothy came down from Macedonia, Paul spent his full time preaching and testifying to the Jews, telling them, The Messiah you are looking for is Jesus. But when the Jews opposed him and insulted him, Paul shook the dust from his robe and said, Your blood be upon your own heads. I am innocent. From now on I will go to the Gentiles. After that, he stayed with Titius Justus, a Gentile who worshipped God and lived next door to the synagogue. Crispus, the leader of the synagogue, and all his household believed in the Lord. Many others in Corinth also became believers and were baptized. One night the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision and told him, Don't be afraid, speak out, don't be silent, for I am with you and no one will harm you because many people here in this city belong to me. So Paul stayed there for the next year and a half, teaching the word of God. But when Gallio became governor of Achaia, some Jews rose in concerted action against Paul and brought him before the governor for judgment. They accused Paul of, quote, persuading people to worship God in ways that are contrary to the law, end quote. But just as Paul started to make his defense, Gallio turned to Paul's accusers and said, Listen, you Jews, if this were a case involving some wrongdoing or a serious crime, I would be obliged to listen to you. But since it is merely a question of words and names and your Jewish laws, you take care of it. I refuse to judge such matters. And he drove them out of the courtroom. The mob had grabbed Sosthenes, the leader of the synagogue, and had beaten him right there in the courtroom. But Gallio paid no attention. Paul stayed in Corinth for some time after that, and then said goodbye to the brothers and sisters, and sailed for the coast of Syria, taking Priscilla and Aquila with him. Earlier, at Centuria, Paul had shaved his head according to Jewish custom, for he had taken a vow. When they arrived at the port of Ephesus, Paul left the others behind. But while he was there, he went to the synagogue to debate with the Jews. They asked him to stay longer, but he declined. So he left saying, I will come back later, God willing. Then he set sail from Ephesus. The next stop was at the port of Caesarea. From there he went up and visited the church at Jerusalem, and then went back to Antioch. What I want to do primarily is one thing. I want to testify to this. I want to testify of our Heavenly Father's wonderful saving presence in our lives. Our Heavenly Father's wonderful, rescuing presence in our lives. In hopes that when your life is difficult, when you're facing times of uncertainty, overwhelming odds, difficulties, darkness, that you'll be inspired to remember the promise of Scripture that the Father is with you. And in those times, that would be 
for you as it has been for my family and I. Enough. To know that your Father who loves you is with you and he sustains and holds you in the darkest hours of your time here on earth. When life hurts, when things are messy and seem out of control, when all is unfair, unkind, and seems to be ending badly, what is the issue? And what does it mean to not be afraid? That's ludicrous. What does it mean to not be afraid? And what does it mean to fear God in those times? Jesus explains, verse 29, Are not two sparrows sold for a cent? And yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. Therefore, do not fear. He doesn't say that a sparrow will never fall. He says the sparrows will fall. Christ and scripture are very, very forthright. Bad things happen. Even to innocent little birds. Bad things happen. Tragic, unfair, senseless things happen in this world and in our lives. That's just the way it is. What he's saying is they do not happen apart from your Father who is in heaven. Bad things happen, but they do not happen apart from your Father. God is never absent from the equation. The NIV puts that phrase. Sparrow will not fall outside of your father's care. Bad things happen, but it never means that your heavenly father doesn't care. Jesus says, don't, don't be afraid of what can kill you. Cancer is not the thing to fear. Fear God. Fear God. Don't fear circumstances. Fear God don't fear people. Fear God, don't fear pain. Fear God, don't fear death. Fear God, don't fear what they might do to you. Fear God, don't fear rejection. He says in an interesting way, fear him who can throw both body and soul into hell. Kind of strong language. In the New Living Translation, it says, don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body. They can't touch your soul. Fear only God. The idea being, he's the one who's greater exemplified by the phrase who can destroy both soul and body in hell. People can only do so much to you, but God is far greater. He holds eternity in his hands. He's getting it. He's trying to make the disciples think about the things of eternity. Don't be overwhelmed by the mere temporal circumstances as bad as they are. I want you to think about eternal things and let it bring you to the fear of God. This is what it means to fear God. To fear God is to revere respect, honor, extol, and trust him enough to believe by faith that he is good, sovereign, and present when life is hard, cruel, and out of control. That's what it means to fear God. And then to honor him in that way. You see, life is always going to present things that will incite fear, right? Illness, Pending death, rejection, financial hardships, failure, loneliness, abandonment, the unknown, loss of control. And when these things happen, we have a choice to either fear God or fear everything else. And to fear God at the very minimum means to trust Him. Everything around you is saying He can't be trusted. 
Faith in the face of pain is this, trusting God's goodness despite any apparent evidence against it. Jesus moves us to this logic. The reason that we don't have to be afraid is nothing hard happens apart from our Father's care. So we, we can't accuse God anymore of not caring. Jesus said that's not true. He always cares. He's always present. And his presence proves that he cares. And it soothes our fears. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For thou art with me. It's the only answer to that question. I'm in the valley of shadow of death. I won't fear evil. Why? For thou art with me. Psalm 145, verses 1 through 21, a psalm of praise of David. I will praise you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. I will bless you every day, and I will praise you forever. Great is the Lord. He is most worthy of praise. His greatness is beyond discovery. Let each generation tell its children of your mighty acts. I will meditate on your majestic, glorious splendor, and your wonderful miracles. Your awe-inspiring deeds will be on every tongue. I will proclaim your greatness. Everyone will share the story of your wonderful goodness, and they will sing with joy of your righteousness. The Lord is kind and merciful, slow to get angry, full of unfailing love. The Lord is good to everyone. He showers compassion on all His creation. All of your works will thank you, Lord, and your faithful followers will bless you. They will talk together about the glory of your kingdom. They will celebrate examples of your power. They will tell about your mighty deeds and about the majesty and glory of your reign. For your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. You rule generation after generation. The Lord is faithful in all he says. He is gracious in all he does. The Lord helps the fallen and lifts up those bent beneath their loads. All eyes look to you for help. You give them their food as they need it. When you open your hand, you satisfy the hunger and thirst of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in everything he does. He is filled with kindness. The Lord is close to all who call on him. Yes, to all who call on Him sincerely. He fulfills the desires of those who fear Him. He hears their cries for help and rescues them. The Lord protects all those who love Him, but He destroys the wicked. I will praise the Lord, and everyone on earth will bless His holy name forever and forever. Proverbs 18, verse 1 A recluse is self-indulgent snarling at every sound principle of conduct. <laughs>